Hello, and welcome to Tic Tech Talk, episode 16, our second episode of season two. I'm Rob. I'm Candace. And this evening, or whenever you're listening to this podcast, we will be discussing the Apple event that just happened. Uh, me and Candace are both pretty excited and filled with a lot of opinions about the event. So without further ado, we'd like to get into it. Candace, what was your takeaway from the event? How did you feel about it? Um, so the September event has always meant a lot to me um, as an Apple uh, follower. Uh, I've been watching the keynotes since I've been in high school, and there's definitely been wanes and like crests in the excitement for certain devices. I remember the one for the four was a really big deal. I remember the one for the five, um, and then like not as much for the six. So my thoughts were I was excited. I'm excited for a new phone. The September is like almost a second Christmas to me, um, and I think they're doing it in a new style where it's moving beyond the era of Steve Jobs. I think an issue that a lot of people get hung up on is you know like, oh this is the keynote style of Steve Jobs, constantly comparing Tim Cook to him. Um, but I think this is one of his main events, even with the carpool karaoke and his excitement and even the advertising style has kind of moved into another generation, which I've really enjoyed. That's fair. Yeah, I would definitely agree with the feel is distinctly not Steve Jobs and definitely not a negative way. Tim Cook's definitely made it his own, but in my opinion, like the culture is very much the same Mm -hmm. and the style, the presentation, it's distinctly Tim's own, but, um, it's definitely still Apple. Um, I my impression of the event there were so many leaks I was kind of um, I, I wasn't expecting a lot I heard a lot of leaks so I was like oh it's probably gonna be all the same um, and after seeing the event I was I was pleasantly surprised I was impressed with the things they'd worked on um, there were surprises that I hadn't expected and it was a more compelling device than I had initially expected from the leaks so yeah, I was exactly. I was happy that there was still stuff left to be discovered yeah, like, I, I'm not one of those people that follows the rumor. I know people who start following the supply chain leaks, you know, six months, nine months beforehand. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of deviates from what I really enjoy about technology and, you know, Apple devices. It's finding what you can do now and how it can improve your life. Mm-hmm. If you constantly live in this, like, speculative form, wondering what the next big thing is, then you're not really living in the process of the present, present and using it properly. So I don't follow it. But, I yeah, once again, I, like, I am really excited to get the new phone. Um, I think some of the upgrades to the device itself uh, and then even just the software updates um, I just actually updated to iOS 10, so all this stuff will be kind of like an unwrapping of a Christmas gift in the next two weeks, which I'm really excited about. I don't want to derail our agenda, but do you have any initial thoughts? I know you literally just updated minutes ago. Yeah, I was planning to wait until Tuesday when they released the uh, final version, but I've been part of the beta program. I just never installed the profile, um, but since it was the uh, Goldmaster, I believe, yeah. I was like, why join the rush on Tuesday with all the, everyone using the server at once? Mm-hmm. I just installed it. Um, all the small touches are really nice. I'm really excited to see how like the widgets work now. Um, the new um, let's, sli- let's slide up the uh, command center, control center. Yeah, the notification or the um, widget center, I guess. Yeah, Is and then you? just like iMessage, um, I've Rob actually noticed outside of a podcast conversation that I rely really heavily on using Facebook Messenger for a lot of group communication and even with people who are close to me in my life. Um, and a lot of that is just like the added integrations of Facebook Messenger. But I'm willing to go back to messages, so I'm really excited about what they did and augmented it. Um, but I'll probably report back in a couple of months to see if I'm really using messages mm-hmm. uh, heavier. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go away from Facebook Messenger totally, just because a lot of my friends are still on that. But for my iPhone friends, um, iMessage has definitely become a lot more fun, and uh, I'm enjoying using it too. Do you use a lot of the features you know, regularly, like the, uh, the stickers, the GIFs, the, the excitement bubble things? Um, I use the reactions a lot. Those ones are pretty good. I don't really use the um, the like animations with the messages too much. Um, I do use the watch stuff sometimes, like some of my heartbeat or like a little doodle, but that's usually from my watch, not directly in the app. And um, 
I do, uh, there's one other thing. Oh, the stickers I do use, not a ton, but I feel like that will grow as more third parties put in stickers. Yeah. I think it is pretty cool. You can like drag them and put them on a message. So I have fun with it. I think it's neat. Yeah, and the built-in GIF, like the reason why I have the Google keyboard installed too was I wanted to use GIFs when I did iMessage since mm-hmm. Facebook has it built in. I kind of just disabled the Google keyboard for now just because I want to go back to stock and I still think it has a better typing experience. It's definitely less buggy than a third-party keyboard. And so, yeah, I'm just excited to see what comes out. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that are just dependent on apps, you know, upgrading. Some stuff like the Siri integration. I'm just waiting for a lot of my main services to update probably on Tuesday with that integration. Oh, absolutely. I think the way they opened up iOS in this version is by far the most exciting stuff. The uh, VoIP stuff, the Maps integrations, the Siri integrations. I believe there actually might have been more that I can't think of off the top of my head right now, but they really opened up a lot, and that'll definitely be the most exciting stuff of iOS 10. Yeah, so it's like a little bittersweet. Like I'm excited to have the newest operating system. It's not the full experience, mm-hmm. but now it'll be fun to see what you know. I'm waiting for like things like the Doist to have like add integration because it's been the biggest Achilles heel against yeah. it. Everyone still is on reminders because it's like the one way that you can save reminders from Siri. Definitely, definitely. So back to our topic, uh, the Apple event. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first big surprise or surprises uh, we're gonna bundle these together were the Nintendo partnership. I'm not sure if it was exactly a partnership, but the announcement. And um, the Nike partnership mm-hmm. with the watch bands. Um, both, I think, pretty cool. Uh, I don't think I'd personally get the Nike band, but I thought that was an interesting partnership, and the design was pretty interesting. Um, and the Nintendo partnership I thought was really interesting, especially all the hype from Pokemon Go, uh, which was not directly Nintendo, but to get Mario on the platform first, uh, I thought was a really big deal. I think that'll be really interesting moving forward. Yeah. And um, to have Shigeru Miyamoto on stage was so cool. Yeah, I think... I think the Pokemon experience is the the perfect testing ground to see whether or not you know Nintendo has a viable platform or audience. And I think both of us agreed, and many people agree, that there is an audience dying for some really great games from Nintendo because they do such a cool job building community, building these characters, and this deep nostalgia that we've had, you know, twenty something year olds can be translated into you know the device that's always in our pocket. Um, so I don't game as much, but I do have like fond memories of a Game Boy and playing Mario and playing Pokemon. I'm glad they're taking the, a step in the right direction. Definitely. And I've always said this, but I feel like Nintendo and Apple are very complementary companies. They have a very similar strategy of controlling the hardware, controlling the experience <clears throat> up through the software. Um, and I think it, it makes a lot of sense that they go with them first. Um, the app may come to Android, but you know, Android has a much bigger issue with piracy because of how open it is. You can just grab the APK from somewhere. So I think it makes a lot of sense for them to start with Apple. Yeah. It seems very much in Nintendo's character. And um, I'm excited to see what will come after this. I think it's a really important step for that company, too. And I think it'll really propel them forward at a time when they need it. It's even just like a perfect translation, because one of the first interactions I've had as a consumer using just a touchscreen was having the Nintendo DS, right? So even that console in itself is so unique and so fun. I have like fond memories of playing like Dogs and stuff, oh, yeah. and using the stylus to like pet the dog and feed the dog, right? A lot of those things that seem kind of a little bit weird and nuts translated really well and can go really well on, you know, now our awesome touchscreens of 2016. That would be cool. And I have noticed um, with the uh, my family members who are younger, uh, who would, I in my mind, would be at the age for a DS or something, they want 7-inch tablets. The iPod, the iPad mini, rather, um, Samsung tablets, you know, anything like that. that. They eat that stuff up, just gaming tablets, and they love playing Minecraft. I think Clash of Clans are the big ones. Yeah. So I can see Mario and other characters being right at home there with that audience. Yeah, it's like their generation equivalent of Game Boy, where every kid had a Game Boy. Now if you walk through the mall, you see the kids, like, using those uh, giant cases with, like, arms and stuff, oh, with an yeah. iPad and stuff. Um, so it's been interesting. I think that's why Apple really put an emphasis on, like, family sharing and parental controls. Because mm-hmm. before that, it was really a hot mess, you know. <laughs> 
Like, do you give a kid an Apple ID? Like, what parental controls? Like, has direct access to your credit card? Do they know the password? I've heard a number of parents complain about ridiculous bills from their kids just buying coins through Clash of Clans, not understanding that it's real money they're spending. It's so easy on a, a mobile device. Yeah. <laughs> you rack up like $200. Yeah, exactly. But I heard their castles were amazing, so I think it was well worth it. Yeah. Um, but anything else from the Nintendo? Um, I mean, there wasn't a lot of uh, substance there aside from the announcement. I just thought it was really interesting from a strategic perspective, you know, yeah. getting in with those partnerships. Um, and I think it speaks to, you know, the platform being alive and well. Apps are still a very widely used commodity. I do think it'll be interesting to see if Nintendo makes a play for the Apple TV because that's where Apple needs games the most. That, yeah. I think, is their big play in gaming right now, aside from the... Uh, iPads, it was yeah. very clearly pushed for gaming. I'm not sure how that'll play out, but yeah, um, that kind of goes uh, more directly against Nintendo's own business model, though, right? Of like pushing mm-hmm. their traditional TV console and Nintendo Wii U and stuff like that too. And I believe sales have been pretty weak compared to the next gen consoles, right? Yeah, yeah, it should be an interesting quarter for Nintendo. So we will have to see, but I'm excited to see what happens there. Yeah, and for the Nike, I think I think the Nike partnership makes a lot of sense. Like we were discussing once again. Um, we were actually watching the keynote together, but a lot of people like to make the analogy that Nike is the, you know, is the Apple of athletics wear. But I want to make the counter argument that Apple is the Nike of technology. And the reason why I say it is in a lot of major facets of sportswear, sneakers, branding, Nike is number one. And there's been recent, like, recent cracks in that, you know, that perfect wall with, you know, like Steph Curry going to Under Armour and all that drama. But most of the time when you see athletes at the Olympics or like playing basketball, it's the Nike shoe and then paired with the Air Jordan brand is so powerful. Mm. And so this makes sense. And they had a really strong feel band line. I know those are really popular wearables. And I was actually kind of surprised when they discontinued them because I think if they kept them longer in the market, Fitbit wouldn't have had such a large such a large market dominance now. I tend to wonder with that um, if Tim Cook being on the board of Nike played into that decision with the feel band at all. They probably, um, I, I'm sure the company's collaborate in some sense yeah, or strategically around product announcements. Um, I do know, actually, I was reading up on it, the Nike band has some exclusive access with their applications to Apple's internal APIs and stuff like that. I think it's directly integrated in with Siri, so it could start specific Nike tasks. Um, mm-hmm. And I have to read more on it, but it is a pretty different band um, from a software perspective. So it, it will be interesting. I think it definitely appeals to a certain market. And it's very much in line with other Nike products, and there are a yeah. lot of Nike fans. So, And you cool. are uh, like a, a pretty heavy runner and things, but you're not tempted of getting the Nike one over the traditional Apple Watch, right? I am not. Um, I know people when I was in high school that I ran with who would have been tempted to get the Nike one, though. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, you know, more serious runners go all in on Nike. Um, I know my friends would like, love to go to the Nike store in New York City and get all the cool stuff, the sleeves, the shorts. Nike, Nike's pretty big in running, so. Yeah, it's um, like the brand to be, right, in almost every major sport. Yeah, and it, you know, it all matches too, which is definitely very tempting. All runners gotta look good with their flashy neon yeah. colors, so. And, and I mean that the, seriously. The band is very unique looking too. Uh-huh. Um, we understand the design language, but even the producer and I, we have like we have like some minor trypophobia, which means we have like an aversion and easiness with like the different patterns and holes, kind of like on the iPhone five C cases. And so when we first saw it, we're like, we understand why it looks good, but that's horrifying. On one hand, though, I mean, um, you and I, existing Apple Watch owners, I'd have to look at the software, but maybe it'd be worthwhile getting the Nike one because you get additional software features, and if you already have your own bands, you can just swap it you out. Can swap yeah, it exactly. Out. So it's something I'll have to look into actually now that I think about it, but um. 
I, I got to see the reviews really on that one. I'm yeah. trying. To, I didn't really totally understand all the tweaks they made from yeah. the announcement, but it seemed really interesting. I feel like yeah. I think any major fuel band diehards and fanboys are kind of happy that their favorite product has resurrected mm-hmm. into something that actually is a little bit more functional than what the fuel band was a couple of years ago. But once again, I think this is a totally natural partnership with another major leading player. Um, to just strengthen Apple's ecosystem. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. Nike and Apple have done a lot of collaborations together throughout the years, so yeah. very cool. Um, I think this transitioned well then about talking about the Nike Apple Watch now into the Apple Watch announcements. Um, so did you want to just dive quickly onto what they really announced? Sure, so um, I guess just to recap for anybody who hasn't heard already, Apple Watch Series 2, not Apple Watch 2, is um, very similar in design to the Apple Watch 1. It's a little bit thicker. The screen's shaped a little bit differently too. The buttons are slightly different, but basically the same. It's hard to tell the two apart. Um, It's waterproof, it has a GPS, it has a faster processor, faster GPU. Um, There were updates. WatchOS 3 obviously will be much faster. Um, There may have been a few other minor spec bumps. Oh, the brightest screen they ever put in a device. Um, But those are primarily it. So definitely welcome upgrades. Um, The speed was needed. And uh, the GPU should be a nice touch. The applications they showed off look pretty great. Um, personally, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, that said, if they had released the same watch they already had and put a GPS in, I think I'd still say I was pretty excited about it. I really want to have that GPS in my watch so I don't have to bring my phone. Um, I'm going to wait and see. I'm not going to pre-order it. I'm going to evaluate WatchOS 3 on my current device and kind of see how the field plays out. But uh, I think it's a pretty compelling product. I think it's a very natural iteration. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with it. Yeah, I um, I had a feeling that they weren't going to do that much of a uh, of a change of maybe the body shape or the features. These are all incremental upgrades. Um, they are very important, especially with the built-in GPS and things like that too. Um, but I'm not really inclined, and I'm you know I'm one of those people. I'm always pretty inclined to upgrade to the newest device. Um, but I think I have a hunch that WatchOS 3 will be enough of a speed boost for me that I'm actually okay with keeping it because I don't really need the GPS, and I know that they also added functionality for swimmers to do strokes mm-hmm. and stuff. I don't recreationally swim. I swim like on vacation. Um, but I've actually heard a couple of people who've never had interest in getting an Apple Watch getting something now because it is a really, really great fitness band. Yeah, I think the direction they're taking now with the focus on fitness is, um, I, I think it's a much more direct way to go. The previous method with it being such a high-end fashion piece um, is definitely a hard market to crack into. Yeah. Um, I, I like the direction now. You know, They're very focused on fitness. It's it, before it was kind of a mixed message. It's like this is a fashion piece, but it also attracts your health, and it's actually pretty good at it. So it's like, you know, like what, how should I wear this, and what function should I wear this? Um, and they kind of got there with the different bands, you know, with different feels. Yeah. But I, I think going in on fitness and making it a genuine fitness tracker that you can dress up is a great way to go for them. And health is such a good field. Um, I like Apple's implementation, and of all the manufacturers and software companies, their commitment to privacy I think positions them really uniquely yeah. to be a great um, partner for health and stuff like that. So. The watch, I think, was a really welcome upgrade. Uh, as somebody who likes to run and really yeah. hates bringing their phone, I'm definitely going to grab it at some point. Yeah, I think I think the partnership with Nike also makes sense with that deep history of partnering and making those wearables. Um, but overall, I, like, I've like i heard a lot of interest. Um, I'm just excited to see the speed comparison between the two because there mm-hmm. is an increase in the processor and the screen brightness. These things I've never really had. You know, I never really looked at my watch and said, hey, I wish my screen was slightly brighter. Uh-huh. Um, I've complained about how slow it is, but I believe right now it's still more of a software issue than it is a hardware issue. Yeah, I, I'm sure it'll help though. I, um, I'm also pretty interested in the, um, or actually two things. 
So the new watch is a little thicker, and I think it should be noted there's a bigger battery in the new one, mm-hmm. which apparently... So with the GPS, they say you're going to get about the same battery as the Apple Watch 1, mm-hmm. but if you're not using GPS heavily, the wa- the battery should be significantly better. Not that the battery is bad as is, yeah. but um, you know, I'll take it. They said it's it's pretty significant, is what I've okay. heard. Um, you know, to be determined by the reviews. Yeah, I remember when the device first came out, and I was worried that it was under a day battery life. Yeah. And so I even kept the little battery widget, and I like monitored brightness. And I realized after a while that it wasn't that much of an issue, as long as I charge it every night, and it's kind of part of my nightly routine where I take off the watch, put it on the charger, put it back on in the morning. It's never been a problem. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I leave the house, I forget to bring the charger, and it's dead after a day and a half. But then I don't really have an issue about that. Yeah. So that's pretty significant on one hand because Apple chose thickness over um, thinness for the, a better that, experience. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. But I think probably the most significant announcement is the Apple Watch uh, Series 1 being reduced in price to 269 mm-hmm. if I get that right. Um, and also upgrading the chip. I mean, that's pretty compelling. It's basically the same exact thing without the GPS. I can't imagine the GPU would be um, that significant. I think the, the CPU yeah. is the more significant upgrade there. With WatchOS 3, it seems pretty compelling to me, and especially as somebody who just kind of wants like to try it out, entry level, not really super into fitness. Um, that seems like a great deal. Exactly. I think this is a big push because not only are they selling the Apple Watch, but they're selling the idea of having a wearable, having a piece of technology worn. And I think, you know, especially for the Fitbit, since they have such a low cost of entry for these devices, I see Fitbits everywhere, right? They're the most yeah. popular wearables. I see people that are not techy or even that active wearing Fitbits and getting really into the gamification. And so I think it's really smart for Apple to really mainstream. And even for many of their devices with the iPhone and the iPad, it took one or two, three iterations before it really became mainstream and, you know, the device. Um, I think for them to lower the price and and increase the um, performance is a really smart move to get, you know, many more, especially iPhone users, reliant on an Apple Watch. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how it compares against Android Wear watches, too. Um, the new updates and stuff like that. They're definitely kind of diverging from Android Wear at this point, I see, going so strongly into fitness. Um, yeah. Pebble's kind of followed that same route with a lot of their new updates. But Android Wear, I, I know they've added more stuff, but I think they're still going with that Google Now feel, pushing their automation, keeping yeah. it um, a much more like an intelligent assistant. So it'll be interesting to see how the two compare down the line. Yeah. I think the biggest criticism I had of the Apple keynote for the Apple Watch, and even their marketing up to this point, is that lack of focus. And usually didn't see that type of that type mm-hmm. of um, lack of focus. Like, even when the iPhone, when Steve Jobs came out and announced that, you know, it was an internet communicator, it was a multimedia device, and it was an iPod, and there was very distinct reasons about why you would buy it and how you would use it, mm-hmm. that Apple Watch keynote was kind of weird, where it was like, it's all of these things, and it's it can do all of these things really well. And, like, it kind of fallen short. And I think if they focused on it's a great fitness tracker, um, it has very simple complications and interactions with your phone, um, and it can do these minor things, you know, the perception of the Apple Watch not living up to expectations wouldn't have been there. In my view, the Apple Watch is kind of like um, Apple's hotbed for, like, testing ideas. Like, if you look at an Apple Watch notification, it's very similar to what an iOS 10 notification is now. And if you look at, like, the design elements, I think it's very clear. A lot of the iOS 10 designs were first tried on the watch and moved over. And, like, a lot of the 3D touch stuff, that was straight from the watch into iMessage. Yeah, it was so, the device that had forced touch before 3D touch was really implemented on the phones, right? So I think in some ways that first cue was kind of Apple just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. Yeah. Um, intentionally or otherwise. So it was interesting to see. I enjoyed that, but I agree. I think the rebooting of the watch, uh, if you can call it that, 
and the new focus are really uh, encouraging. You can even see it in the software, right? Like with Watch OS 3, like there are major user interactions that are drastically changing mm-hmm. in the version, right? And they've been so open and okay with them doing that. Like how many major conventions of iOS have you seen change from version to version? That's true. Not I mean, that many. I think it's good. You know, I think they realized um, they should focus a little bit. And they also saw how users were using it the most. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's good. I, I like the changes they've made, and I'm really excited for the new version. Yeah, I've... Um, I don't want to say I've been lukewarm on the watch. I, it's definitely stronger than lukewarm. But with these recent updates and the way that they're now pivoting the watch, I'm excited and I'm more willing to recommend it in the same levels that I'm rec- willing to recommend, you know, having an iPad or a MacBook Pro. Oh, no, I would totally agree. Uh, when I describe the w- original Apple Watch that I'm using right now, I always tell people it's a great watch, you know. You can change the watch face, you can change the bands. And that alone, I think, f- for me, is a pretty big selling point. I like to, like I said, you know, I have a sports band for when I'm working out. And I can quickly switch that to um, another band if I want it to look a little nicer, wearing like a job interview, something like that. So to me, that that's a value that I find. And getting your notifications on it is pretty good in the yeah. fitness tracking. But the other features, in, in, to me, have not been really utilized that well. Um, so I think the new focus is great. I think yeah. <laughs> I hope it'll change how I use my watch. Yeah, I'm excited for that software update. If anything, the most, even compared to you know Mac OS yeah. or iOS. If the speed's there, I think it'll be really compelling. Yeah, and the that's way that's really the big question. And those interactions, even like having that side button change away from you know having your contacts and having your most recent apps and all that, really excited. Yeah, the contacts thing was a little interesting. That was like a, a hard push for something I don't use as often, and it probably didn't expect users to feel as distant to the feature. Yeah, so I'm excited for that. All right. All right. Next on our list. Onto the onto the thing that really made me raise the volume on TV while we we're watching <laughs> the keynote. This is kind of my bread and butter of the September event, and this is the iPhone event. Sure. Um, you want to recap this one a little bit? Yeah. So uh, this is where Apple, uh, once again, announced their newest iteration of the iPhone, which is the iPhone 7 and iPhone 7 Plus. Um, and so coming from this perspective, there's two models. They're keeping the, also the other models as well. Uh, but probably some of the biggest differences is, of course, the increase in the performance. And they always like to emphasize the power of the A10 Fusion Core and how it, it compares. It's over like 120 times faster than the original iPhone. Um, also, the cameras, I think, are probably also very noticeable, especially on the 7 Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the one thing that they've implemented is having a dual camera uh, system on the back of the iPhone 7 Plus. And so when I saw this in speculation and in rumors, I thought it was very similar to what HTC has done for a couple of years now, having two cameras to allow to have that kind of like Lytro effect where you can change the foreground and the background of an image. Um, and also doing like motion and stitching it to have super wide, wide view. Um, but for Apple, I guess they kind of use it as a justification for allowing you to have a really great wide angle, clear, sharp shot, as well as having better zoom that's not utilizing digital zoom. Yeah, so going to the camera, um, first of all, I think it's great they brought OIS to the regular iPhone. Um, I think that'll definitely make it, the, uh, for single lens cameras, I mean, that, that seemed pretty awesome. Um, and the bump didn't look as bad as I had thought it would. The leaks definitely weren't uh, telling you the final product in that sense. So. That looked pretty nice, blend very nicely with the design. Um, but the iPhone 7 Plus, <laughs> when I first saw the two cameras, and when I, you know, the rumors were saying it's only in the Plus model, I, I had mixed thoughts about that. I was like, are they going to fragment features for one or the other? I, uh, you know, I don't really think that's a good way to go. I think the way they have it where it's one platform, keeping the features consistent is really solid. But the implementation ended up being pretty good. I, I, I think what they did there, um, it makes a lot of sense. You know, doing optical zoom and not having a telescoping lens is pretty huge. Um, and I mentioned this to Candice earlier, but people have speculated online that a dual camera system like this could easily be used for something um, like the Kinect, 
where you're modeling something in 3D space. So I hope there's maybe aspects of that down the road or developers can access these new cameras yeah. in unique and interesting ways. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. I think that was one of the most surprising updates to me. I was kind of unsure of where they were going with the camera, but yeah, it seems really awesome. And I think this year I'll be going from the regular iPhone model to the Plus. So Rob joined the Plus Club. <laughs> Yay! Welcome. Thank you. To the <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see for sure. I think okay, so it was kind of cheesy the way they did it in the keynote, but I think it was pretty effective. Is they, you know, Phil Schiller showed an image, and mm-hmm. they're like, it was taken by a high-end camera, and let's talk about why the picture is so great. And they're like, let me pull back the curtain. It was taken with the new iPhone Seven Plus. Oh my goodness! But I'm not sure if it is just Apple marketing. But those pictures look really, really good. And I think one uh, not as emphasized feature of the camera upgrades is the dropping of the aperture. Mm. So they went from an aperture 2.0 to 1.8, and I think that will make a really big difference. I know that they're including in the software a now special version of the portrait mode, which focuses on finding your face and then blurring the background using software. Um, But even just having a lens that can stop down a little bit more will make a big difference for pictures like that. Mm. Yeah, it was very interesting with uh, (laughs) they marketed it. Phil Schiller was pretty funny with that. I'm pretty excited for the camera, definitely. It probably is the most interesting feature of the new phones, in my opinion. It seems like it's absolutely stellar, and from what I've heard from people's hands-on experience, it does live up to all the hype they put into it, so that'll probably be really great yeah. if that can really replace, um, well, I guess my existing iPhone camera. That's the only camera I have, but if it can compete with point-and-shoots more yeah. and, uh, I guess, approach on DSLR territory, not <laughs> not one-to-one, but getting yeah. kind of like a feature parody would be really cool. Yeah, exactly. I'm super interested because I just have a brand new point and shoot, high, very high end point and shoot, the Canon G7X Mark II. And I bought it for that reason where I wanted to upgrade in quality. And now I do kind of want to compare and see how much closer are they getting. Like, do I ever need to still carry this Canon? I have a feeling that I still will. Um, But one interesting aspect is, you know, for a lot of people, the best camera they currently own and then probably will ever own are the ones that are on their iPhones. Mm -hmm. So these jumps, even if they're incremental every year, make a big difference for people capturing the memories. Um, you know, especially if you have kids or family members and things like that, too. Um, so it's been a big upgrade. Um, even the front camera had an upgrade, too. So remember for the longest time, they did not upgrade the front camera. It was yeah. only until a couple of years ago where they started really taking selfies, Snapchat really seriously. A boost in that as well. So I'm excited to see what that will look like. Mm, definitely, definitely. Let's see. They also had the new screen, the uh, HD+. Plus. I think they... I wasn't totally exactly sure what they did there. I think it's a wider color gamut, they were saying. So now pictures can really pop a lot of colors a lot of focus on visual stuff this year it seems like yeah yeah and like a lot of these are things that i didn't i really never look at my phone and say oh i wish i was faster you know i wish the screen was slightly brighter you know things are like i wish the battery life was a little bit better and they have increased the battery battery life life. that's pretty huge two hours uh i was reading about this you know they say the current iphone battery life is about 10 they say Mm -hmm. um 10 or something adding two is pretty significant i mean that's a pretty out of 10 that's a pretty huge bump to 12, and I see it as, you know, now you can get a really a full day out of your iPhone without really much sweat, as opposed to before where you kind of just make it through, so that's really awesome. Yeah, and it's not just from them increasing the capacity of the battery, because I'm actually not sure if they actually did, they but did. the one thing is I, uh, that they had the uh, chips, right? So they actually have two chips that act, you know, if you have the more high performance one, you use that one, but if you're doing more mundane tasks it switches down to the lower one, and that's how they've been able to get a little bit more efficient, too, in the battery life. And uh, I, I was reading BuzzFeed has a really great article where they interview Phil Schiller and um, some of the Apple other Apple vice presidents, Dean Riccio, I believe, and uh, I could have gotten that name wrong, um, but Apple's vice president of hardware, 
And they have upped the battery about 14 to 15% while keeping the thickness. That's awesome. Yeah, so, uh, you know, really listening to the consumers on that one. People have been clamoring for them to keep the thickness the same and just add more battery. These are the tangible changes I want to see because you can keep bumping up the display and you can keep bumping up the performance. But the thing that everyone is buying, especially like the things like Pokemon Go, or, you know, it's like every single day someone asks me if I have a charger, uh-huh. um, especially with the smaller, older models of phones. You know, these little increases, I think, make the biggest difference. Mm. Yeah, that battery is going to be probably the biggest selling point of this phone, I think. Yeah, I think it, it, it makes it a lot easier for people who, who maybe are eligible to upgrade. And especially, I feel like a lot of people who are on the iPhone 6, who are not that techie, don't feel as compelled. I feel like for the um, people who are on the iPhone 5, when the 6 came out, they were ready to jump for that bigger screen and for that complete design change. And I feel like the iPhone 5's battery, for some reason, had not aged as well. Yeah, that um, is true. But there's, I feel like less, um, but I think this is the easiest way to sell it too, is the camera's a lot more improved and that battery life. Yeah, I, know, I think from a 6S owner, I don't know if this is the easiest sell, unless you're looking for that bump in storage, you know. Uh, battery life on the 6S I think has been pretty decent. It, you know, definitely depends on the user, but to just agree for the battery life might be a tough sell. But for a 6 user, you know, you're getting a pretty improved camera. They're going from 8 megapixels to 12 with the new lenses. You're getting forced touch. You're getting a bigger battery. You're getting the new screen, um, the new processors. Yeah. There's some pretty significant increases there. Um, yeah. And I think it's a pretty easy sell. So kind of going with that TikTok cycle they've been going on for a while. Yeah, exactly. And especially if they can get more people onto the iPhone upgrade program and things like that too. Yeah. I think I still think like underlying, I think that's one of the most clever things that they can implement to keep the iPhone. Because if they do something like that where everyone is just inclined to just trade in the phone and get a new one, the the improvements in the phone don't be have to have to be as revolutionary every increment. And I think that's what we've kind of seen. But if you get enough people agreeing to pay that month monthly fee, where every year they get a phone that's slightly better with better battery life, they'll be more inclined to do it, and that's just more money in their pockets. But truthfully, yeah, I I don't know if I would have been so quick to upgrade if I wasn't already in the program. Um, it's uh, almost zero zero cost to me. I just continue paying the same fee. Um, which is at zero percent interest, so that's pretty nice. Yeah, exactly. And I'd get the upgrade. Um, and you know, not only am I very interested in it being so into technology, but uh, it made the decision really easy. And um, I know for a lot of people that makes the decision super easy. They really yeah. make do a good job of handling that program. Exactly. And then two other small changes. They they've added another color to the color line. Yeah. Well, two other colors. Two colors, right? Because yeah. space gray is now dead. Rest in peace, space gray. Now they have black, and jet black, and that's paired with all the existing colors, which is silver gold and rose gold so candace this begs the question you know which iphone you said you're getting the new one which one are you getting um i love and this might be surprising people people love the newest things i love the black black i think something about the black black looks so gorgeous the way they hide the seams the way it's matte i think it's very uh smell and like minimalist um that being said i think i'm gonna still go on silver just because I have had silver devices, I like the white front, and it matches my iPad, and I believe having that type of continuity between all my devices. Okay, so I agree with you on the continuity of colors. As you know, I also have a silver iPad because it matches my MacBook. Um, but I'm getting the black, the matte black, not the jet black. And the reason being, um, when you close my MacBook, or my iPad, because I have the keyboard cover, there's this black line right here. So if you like stack them all together, they will all look the same, because the keyboard will wrap around, and you got that black line on the back, and the phone will be black too. So I think it all matches just in like, you know, a different sense. Truthfully, if it came down, so pre-orders are actually coming out tonight and I've experienced every major pre-order and I know how much of a, a rush it is. And even I think with my iPhone 6, I went with the color, I was, it wasn't my first choice. 
you know, if for some weird reason the only available option was the black, I wouldn't be afraid to get it. And I think it stems from the fact that, you know, a year from now, even if I really hate it, I trade it in mm. to get my original silver. So black is definitely on my list, that matte black. Um, the piano black, or not the piano black. I like jet to call black. It, like, it's jet black. I do think of piano black because I, I grew up with an upright piano which is exactly the same color. It's interesting. I don't think it's practical. I don't think it'll look that great in use. It looks great in product shots. Mm-hmm. Or it looks like someone like had it in and looks really pretty. But like every single day in and out of your pocket, you holding the device, it's not going to look great. True. Didn't the 3G have the same finish? They're yeah, similar? yeah, yeah. So it's, of course, with the 3G and the 3GS, it was plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like once again, Apple has not the greatest history of having shiny black finishes. I have an iPod video that like got beat up every single day coming in and out of my pocket. Yeah, I remember my iPod. And you know, it looks great, but then it smudges easily. And um, yeah. yeah, I as beautiful as it is, and it is a beautiful phone. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's for me personally. I think it's a lot of maintenance to keep it looking pristine. Yeah, it's and I have a nice feeling car. it's probably gonna be the hardest one to get because I remember when gold first came out as a color option and then rose gold, you know, people jump on getting the newest color. So oh, it's probably yeah. the hardest one to purchase especially since it only comes in two capacity tiers. They kind of made that the premium one yeah. where it doesn't have the lower end. Um, but yeah, the colors are interesting. I, I'm probably planning on getting silver. If for some reason, middle of the night, I feel this inclination to try something new, I don't be surprised. So there's one other detail, um, the headphone jack or lack thereof. Yes, yes. So this is something we should talk about. Definitely. Um, now they didn't choose the AirPods, so um, you have two choices now, lightning earphones bundled in the box, or three choices really, your lightning to analog adapter, or the AirPods, which are 159 for uh, Bluetooth wireless earbuds, which are essentially just like their earpods, the cables chopped, and you just put them in your ear. Um, so yeah, uh, what do you think of the move from the headphone jack? Yeah, let's start with the, let's, I have other separate thoughts about the AirPods themselves as yeah. a product. Um, I'm not that, so I'm not personally that upset. Um, when those rumors and speculation came out that Apple was removing the headphone jack, um, for me as a current iPhone user, I was like, they better have good reasons why they're removing it in a sense where what are they doing to the phone using that space to make it worthwhile for me. And I think they kind of sold it with the fact that the phone is now you know, water resistant and dust proof. Mm. We actually didn't mention that earlier. That is pretty big. And that's, I think that's a pretty big thing, especially once again, for like the every single day use of a phone. You know, some people get pushed in a pool, got the phone in the toilet of using the phone in the rain that in itself i think is a really big deal for usability of the phone um and that argument so it's not the argument it's about courage i don't really believe that (laughs) i do believe that you know this technology has been out for 100 years it does take up a lot of space and so the same way that there's been this difficult transition and people were really opposed from 30 pin to lightning it gave them a lot more room in the capacity and the chassis of the phone to do other things to make it more efficient and you know the industry did pivot and move into lightning as a connector um, and it's become not an issue now in 2016. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of annoyances and people will be annoyed. Um, but I think the market will adapt to it, especially since they have such a strong um, support of third-party manufacturers. Mm. So I, I have some mixed thoughts. Um, first, I do think the issue is a little uh, overstated, um, at least in my use cases. I know some people have very strong opinions about this, but for me, um, I use my analog headphones all the time. Um, you know. Am I a little inconvenienced? Um, sure. That said, like I, um, I guess I'll have to try it to really understand. Mm-hmm. I've been looking to buy a pair of Bluetooth headphones, so I'm not that upset. But I can understand why somebody would be inconvenienced by this, definitely. Especially if you have a nice pair of, of wired headphones. Or if you are in multiple um, ecosystems, you have a Windows PC. Um, also, 
The binding headphones won't work on your PC, so that's kind of inconvenient. Or if you want to charge and listen to music at the same time. Right? Yeah, that's a big one. you're relying on the one port. That is a big one. Um, so I, I understand where people are coming from. I guess, you know, conversely, I, I feel Apple is right in saying, you know, like, this is the future. It will eventually get here. My only reservation there is, like, you know, I agree it's the future, but was this too soon? Is Bluetooth really a sufficient replacement? Um, and I say Bluetooth because, well, there are lightning... I think it's clear that they want you to go wireless. Yeah. Um, that's my interpretation. Is Bluetooth good enough? Um, like I said, I haven't personally had Bluetooth headphones. I've heard mixed things. I've heard the disconnecting can be kind of a pain. Yeah, there's there's still a lot of legacy Bluetooth issues. Even though I use a pair of Anchor Bluetooth uh, earbuds, um, and I like them a lot, and they're really comfortable. The thing is, if Rob looks at my case right now, I have a phone case that actually blocks off the headphone jack. It's just like a port cover, and I rarely ever have to remove it because I'm pretty much reliant on using wireless headphones. Um, I think there's also so much potential of, you know, using headphones that can provide more information and become almost like a, uh, a health device where it can track your, 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 uh, Movement heart stuff. rate and stuff like that too. I'm a little disappointed that the AirPods did not do that and they didn't show a better justification of why they were moving it. The only thing they really added was those sensors when you take them out. Um, but this also might be just a force, you know, if you force one whole generation of iPhone users to rely on Bluetooth as a standard and they have enough issues with it, it'll force... Bluetooth get better. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I am all for Bluetooth getting better, and I would love it if, you know, Bluetooth headphones were, like, the way to go and you'd remove wires, but I I do have to raise concerns that it may have just been a little bit too soon. Um, I don't know. I just don't think Bluetooth is quite there, really. I don't think it's so much that the phone isn't ready for it. I mean, by all means, you know, the phone can handle it. Um, and maybe the W1 chip will change that. Yeah, um, that's a big variable um, where Apple has designed a special chip inside of these headphones to kind of augment the issues that, you know, the augment the functionality of wireless headphones that Bluetooth usually suffers through. Yeah, I, mean, I know they're expensive. I, I think the right choice would have been to include those headphones in the box. That That is my opinion. I think if those headphones had been included, the message would be much clearer, and you wouldn't have as many gripes about charging and listening at the same time. Would they have been lost just as easily? Yeah. I, I bet that's fair. I mean, I personally yeah. don't lose my technology that much, but um, I have many friends that do, so I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, but I, I think they're kind of sending a mixed message here. It, it's good on them including the da- the adapter. That's pretty huge. Uh, they didn't do that with the Lightning 30 pin. But um, and the adapters are a lot cheaper. I had a feeling. And for some reason, I swore I was like, this adapter is going to be twenty nine dollars to go from Lightning to auxiliary. Um, it won't come included in the box, and you know, and they're going to be like, deal with it. But they've actually taken, a, I feel like, a softer stance on it, where they include one in the box for you to use, and buying additional ones. Not are only nine dollars, but they are nine dollars, especially compared to Apple's traditional pricing of nineteen and twenty nine. Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. I can stand behind that. Um, I just think it may have been too soon for a lot of people, especially those with a tighter budget. I think you know, if getting wireless headphones, at least currently, is not very uh, easy to do. If you look at Bluetooth headphone sales, the one the one fifty nine price they're asking is actually kind of on the low end as far as like quality Bluetooth headphones go. Yeah. Well, that's a difference. So you're talking about earbuds, like but, the wireless earbuds. True, so the Dash true. and the Brag, you have been the ones that... And then um, I think Motorola and Samsung have released them. There are countless numbers of like those Amazon Chinese knockoff wireless headphones that people have been buying. But once again, they suffer through the same inconsistencies and quality of, you know, like poor Bluetooth headsets. Sure. So I, I guess, you know, it goes back to the same point. I'm just not sure if Bluetooth is ready. Uh, you know, people will say like Apple's done with a ton of ports. And I think a lot, what a lot of people are saying is... Is there a sufficient standard to replace what they're taking away? Um, it's hard for me to say. I really haven't a lot of experience with the wireless headphones. 
but I've been reading a lot of people saying, no, it's not ready. Um, so it'll be interesting. I do agree with you. I think it's about time they push that forward. I think it's um, a little surprising we don't have better wireless headphones at this point or more. Yeah. And I think, ones. once again, it's like there might be a, a one big push to lead into the standard gang better, right? And I like the iPhone isn't the first one to get rid of the headphone jack. Uh-huh. You know, Motorola recently made news where their flagship or one of their flagship phones removed the headphone jack. But do you think that really caused waves throughout the whole industry to A, improve all the Bluetooth wireless headphones that you can buy? And to improve the standard itself. No, that's true. Um, I, I'm pretty familiar, though, that Bluetooth has been uh, known for dragging their feet yeah. <laughs> on these issues. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm really excited to see what Apple has done with that chip inside of those AirPods and see how much they've improved the experience. Because the way they showed it where you just open the little cap in the box to open the AirPods um, and does that sensing where you take things out and in. Um, and it also synchronizes between all your devices, which is a major problem currently with me and my Anchor um, Bluetooth headphones. They only pair with one device. So now when I want to switch to my Mac or my iPad, I have to do the process of repairing and having that issue. That's true. I, we should talk about the AirPods. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, headphone jack woes aside, I think the AirPods, um, people have been giving mixed reviews about them or mixed thoughts because they haven't been out yet. Um, I think they're pretty awesome. I think that price point is actually pretty reasonable if you're looking for something comparable to the Dash, which I was thinking about getting. So this yeah. definitely is something I'm going to look into. Um, and if you have a lot of products already in the Apple ecosystem, being able to switch between them seems invaluable. Um, definitely a big convenience there. Uh, you know, And also, I mean, they also work with the other devices, so you can pair them to an Android phone or another Bluetooth-enabled audio yeah. device. So that's a nice feature to have. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they work out in real life and in practice. I hope the connection's more reliable. That's probably the big thing. If they can make a really reliable connection and easy to switch, I mean, that's kind of like the dream with these headphones. So yeah. I hope they're like that. Um, I, I don't know about you. I feel like I don't really lose my tech that much. So I'm not too concerned about losing them. I know some people yeah. said that. Especially with that price point. For me personally, if I know that, you know, they're $159 headphones and they're small, I'm going to make take extra care and precision to know that, you know, I put them back in the case. And I'm pretty careful my, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple times I've like taken out my wireless headphones, but I, and I put them somewhere I forgot, but, um, that's just like a once in a while mistake. And that's not from the fact they're, you know, wireless. It's just the fact that I use them every single day. I come in and out of the house often. But I guess this kind of gets to the problem with headphones. You know, they're not one size fits all. I have to say the earbuds actually fit me really well. I was surprised yeah. when I switched to iOS. They do fit me very well, so I can go running with them. I couldn't run with my skull candies. Yeah. So I've been pretty pleased. So uh, to me, they seem like a pretty good deal, but I know they fit me well. Um, I do have a lot of Apple products, and the price point is in line with other options I was considering. If you know, iPhone is the only Apple product you have, I think it's going to be a much harder sell. But they are an accessory, so I guess that's fair. One major aspect, too, was when I first saw them, I thought they kind of looked ridiculous from the design aspect because they are literally... Uh, earbuds with the cords cut off with that design and I was like wondering why was that included um, and they show in a lot of those demos that they have those beam forming microphones so when you do take calls and stuff it should be doing a better job of receiving the phone calls and it knows when you're speaking and using the vibrations off your jaw um, one of my favorite uses of the ear of the earbuds of the uh, ear pods there we go airpods uh, airpods or ear pods right now yeah. is okay. when I take conference calls um, my anchor earbuds do too good of a job uh, isolating sound so I can't hear myself, so I'm just constantly shouting on my phone, the speakerphone. <laughs> um, especially, I don't feel like they hear me as well, and I want to walk around. I want that mobility of taking a phone call without being afraid of cords. Um, I think these are a perfect device for it because they have that design element of being better microphones. Um, and they also don't completely block out the sound, so I still have that ambient noise. So I think they're going to be a really great device taking conference calls, um, talking on them for a long time. 
um, holding a conversation. Mm. So I, I'm going to hold off definitely on the, I mean, they don't come out until October, but I want to see what people say, how they're received. But um, if they do what they said, I think it's a pretty, pretty compelling product. One thing I wish they did. I don't think they should have, they could, they should have gone as far and put them in every box of every iPhone. Um, that would been really interesting and made the argument smoother. If anything, at the least, they should have released them day of launch with the iPhone. Mm. If you're going to make this argument that the phone is going to rely on this chip and you're going to have this great experience, I think you should have had a day one. People are going to forget and people are going to gripe about the lack of the headphone jack for a month and a half until you release your sound replacement for them. Literally sound, quote-unquote, sound replacement <laughs> for them. Mm. Personally, I'm not bothered by this because I'm kind of curious to try out the phone with the lightning headphones and see how that'll work out, how my life mm-hmm. will be, you know, using that port. And um, I, I'm interested to evaluate the inconveniences, but I, I do see what you're saying. I think a lot of people would be like, yes, I want the solution now. Even going into the Apple store and, you know, an Apple specialist explaining to someone who's, you know, usually buys an iPhone. Like, I heard on CNN that there's no headphone jack. Like, what's going to happen? And they're like, it comes with a pair, also comes with an adapter. But we also saw this alternative and we think this is the right solution for the future. I think it's an easier sell to be like, all right, $150 more, put it in the basket. Let me see how they work. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a lost opportunity, but... um, I think it's just see. something with the supply chain, and we see it a lot where, you know, major features are either delayed or have supply chain issues. Um, I just hope that it doesn't stop the progress and the conversation. For them, I think the big deadline is get it out by Christmas season, Black Friday specifically. So yeah. for most consumers, I feel like, I, are, I predict it's probably a non-issue. I haven't seen a lot of people complaining about that, so... Yeah, we'll I, I was just disappointed because I, like, I saw them talk about it. I was like, oh, I'm going to pick those up when I pick up the phone next Friday. I can't wait. And they're like, October. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I guess I, I will use my Bluetooth earbuds from now on. But Yeah, it's a very interesting product. Um, a really interesting choice there with moving the headphone jack. But um, I, I do agree that like ultimately, moving forward, this is the way to go with audio. I think it'll be really powerful um, once there's more in this space. But uh, right now, I think there is going to be some discomfort. Growing pains, maybe. Yeah, I think every time they do some type of transition. I remember, like, having an iPhone 5, which was the first phone with Lightning, and for a good six months, it was so hard to find uh, reliable third-party cables that were Mm -hmm. affordable, really relying on the one that Apple concluded in the box. You know, going to someone's room, like a dorm room when I was in college, and not being able to charge my phone because everyone had 30-pin, super uncomfortable, not great. You You know, go forward now, and everyone has Lightning, you know, the port is smaller, it's reversible, there are benefits of using Lightning, you know, it might be just a transition year, and uh, you've seen that with different versions of the iPhone as well. Yeah. Too early? Well, we'll see, but um, I ultimately, I do agree that it is where audio was going. Unless it was like five years from now, where really the standard, even even not Bluetooth, something else came out, I think this argument could have been made every single sex of year after this, too, yeah. if they did remove the headphone jack in the next version, too. I, I do think consumers, though, are not going to be... Um, they're going to have mixed thoughts on this, for sure. Oh, yeah, def- definitely. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking of major iPhone controversies. The big one, like, don't you think it's interesting even now that people don't have the concept that Apple moved from the 30-pin to the Lightning once? There's only been one major change in the port of the iPhone. And people still think that every single year when Apple releases a new phone, it's going to change. I've heard that from so many different types of consumers, from my own parents to different people in college. People think that like it's in constant flux when they've only made one conscious decision to change the data <laughs> connector. Uh, that's a good point. I mean, Apple, I think, gets a lot of attention because of the size of the company. Um, yeah. Definitely much more than most tech companies, uh, definitely because of their presence in the consumer space. 
that that is a fair point, you know. Um, and it, obviously, this headphone jack hasn't been changed in hundreds of years, as they said. Yeah. Which is true. Um, so yeah. It, I'm just making the point that there is going to be a lot of reverberation and a lot of pushback and negative feedback. But once again, I think it's a push towards progress, and I think it should have been sooner than later. I think they should have just done it. It's a matter of just ripping off the bandaid and seeing where the market can adapt to and how the consumer base can adapt to it. I think the scab was still healing, but I agree the wound has to heal eventually. <laughs> so I guess we disagree a little bit there, but um, yeah. Now I I do think overall it's an issue that's been taken kind of out of proportion, um, personally. But yeah, it, for some consumers it is really important. I understand that. Yeah, there's audiophiles and things like that too. But I think there's enough solutions, and the market will adapt. And for me personally, like it's not a major change in how I use my phone. So for me personally, I I don't really mind. Maybe one day I'll want to plug in a pair of headphones and I don't have the adapter with me, but that's one minor inconvenience. Mm, fair. So, um, looking forward, you know, iPhone 7 under the belt, prospectively new models coming, um, but some pretty big changes this year. The software, OS, uh, or sorry, excuse me, Mac OS Sierra also, um, all, the whole, all the platforms have been refreshed. What are your thoughts on Apple? We kind of started with this, you know, how it's mm-hmm. Tim Cook's Apple now, recently celebrating five years as a CEO. What are your thoughts, just reflecting on the company? Um, a lot of the the deeper passion, the reason why we're speaking about this, and I have so much to say, comes from a deep alignment with Apple's vision of what technology should be. And a lot of their devices have fit into tool sets that allowed me to be, you know, at my max potential as a student, as a daughter, as a sister, things like that too. I think that's why I align so highly with the brand and a lot of stuff they're doing with technology. Um, there's a reason why I get up in the middle of the night to pre-order the phone, and there's a reason why I love using the software. And I think the five years with Tim Cook has been very distinctly Tim Cook, and I was always really terrified that whoever was going to take over was going to be this constant comparison piece between you know Steve Jobs and the figure he was versus the leadership, whatever decision Tim Cook made. And I think he's done a great job, and I think he's been not afraid to run it in his distinct manner. And he's known for being a really tough manager, a really, really thought-provoking leader in his own sense, too. Um, so overall, um, I always will have major gripes with certain aspects of how Apple looks at innovation and designs certain aspects of the experience. But overall, I, you know, I'm excited for these new products to come out. Yeah, I would agree with a lot of that. Um, I, I kind of said it before, but Tim Cook definitely has a unique feel. I think he's definitely put his face to the company and his own unique spin on things. It's clear from um, the increased focus in social issues and their presence as a corporate citizen around the world. And I think that stuff is really big and speaks magnitudes about the character of the company mm-hmm. uh, and really who they've grown into. Um, I think it's also fair to say they've kind of matured in a sense, you know? Yeah. They're not this scrappy company. Uh, well, be scrappy is not the right word, but they're not the Apple of the early 2000s. And it's not the Apple versus Big Brother. In some sense, in major, a lot of major industries, they are becoming this bigger dominant force where, you know, they are the Goliath. Yeah, their the role has definitely changed. Um, and I think they've taken that with stride. They've kept a lot of the core values the same. And that emanates throughout the products. The focus on uh, health and um, just these features that are generally pretty good for the consumer, generally, you know, um, the updates have been very consistent with what they've done. The feel is all there. And I think they've been doing a pretty solid job keeping things going, business as usual. Um, I know the stock price has fluctuated significantly recently. And, you know, they had a pretty stellar quarter and then kind of a regular quarter. So, uh, you know, things are changing, um, but I think long-term uh, is very much the Apple people are familiar with and have been enchanted with <laughs> since um, the iPhone came out and the iPod. So um, I think it's pretty exciting to see where they're going. I think this release will be really interesting. I think it's definitely a little bit different than the others. It's not met with the same fanfare. 
for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but holistically, I think they're retaining much of the same character. Yeah, I think there's a lot of a deep, deeper refinement and understanding of how these mobile operating systems are working and that vision of a more mobile future. And it's some things I think we'll take for granted, but once people start using it and then even switch to a competitor, we'll miss and miss that refinement. I think that's going to be a, a core strength for Apple in the future when they're designing software and selling it. Mm, true. Mobile is definitely maturing, and um, the way people use mobile is, and I think it's also fair to say, you know, there's a significant amount of saturation in the market that wasn't there before. Yeah. Um, which is an opportunity on one hand for Apple to really uh, push their mobile solution and derive this or drive those services associated with it. But yeah. um, it definitely presents some challenges for them. So it'll be interesting to see how they move forward. Yeah. One quick thought. I just want to rant really quickly in public about how in iOS 10, there's not many changes to the iPad, especially for the iPad Pro. A lot of uh, graphical gripes about it not been updated. They've been saying that it'll be coming in a point one upgrade. But I am a very, very uh, loyal and heavy user now of iOS as a competing platform with my iPad Pro. I'm waiting for it, Apple. Please don't disappoint. <laughs> uh, truthfully, I got my iPad, and then I almost immediately put on iOS 10, so I really can't say the same. But I will definitely take your word for that, Candice. And I'm waiting for those point updates. Yeah, I've, I've heard some that they're, they're coming with much bigger things, things like switching like the app switcher. Uh, I just wish it came out all at once, but I understand, and I will wait patiently. I think with what they're doing now, they're definitely moving to more of a um, not quite continuous integration, but something more akin to that where the updates are more constant. Yeah. Um, they're definitely more, it's not like this once a year thing, they're going to try to put out features all the time. Like we got the uh, night shift mode. Yeah. Stuff like that. So I think that's a great change in how they're um, also allowing you know updates and deletion of stock apps through the App Store. A lot of this movement is really positive. Once again, I think these are refinements. Um, to fix a lot of the like tiny gripes I now have with iOS, uh, but overall I'm really excited. Mm, yeah, it's been really exciting. So we will see what happens. Yep. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Um, so once again, we, you can find us on iTunes, Overcast, Pocketcast, TuneIn, Stitcher, and in the browser. Um, we're also on social media, and uh, actually recently during the Apple keynote, uh, we've been tweeting on our Twitter, which is Tech Tech Talk Show. Uh, I'm Candice Poon on Twitter, and Rob is at. Uh, Russo underscore Rob uh, on Twitter and the one last thing is we also have an Instagram we'll be posting pictures and other thoughts as well and that's also at Tic Tac Talk Show um, we really appreciate it too if you guys have the time to review us on iTunes because that really helps with our uh, search um, and also our popularity overall but we want to thank you guys for listening to another episode thank you bye <laughs>